Hey, Digitally China is produced together with our friends at Radii, this awesome independent media platform. If you're interested in culture and innovation in China, you should definitely check out RadioChina.com. They'll give you an inside look into everything from China's underground music scene to bike sharing. That's R-A-D-I-I-China.com. It's not something people will find acceptable, but it's also very, very common on the internet. So actually, everyone turns a blind eye to it. There's been a lot of discussion lately on how individuals, companies, or even governments are gaming social media platforms for their own end, whether it's a political disinformation campaign or marketing gimmick to advertise new products. And it's made me really curious about the fake follower business, where companies create and sell social media accounts. It's actually a huge problem in China, where as much as one third of the internet traffic was considered abnormal last year, according to local media reports. So in this episode, we'll talk more about how buying followers works in China, and we've talked to a few people who have direct experience or are knowledgeable about this to learn more about it. It's apparent that the industry has been flooded the last few years with fake followers engagement just to push any type of product to the top lists so they can make more money. And as with everything digitally in China, we are seeing tremendous growth and levels of innovation, even in the fake follower business. Welcome to Digitally China, a podcast about the fascinating Chinese, Chinese tech, tech industry. industry created together with Radii. I'm Eva. I'm Jacob, and I'm Tom. So, according to various studies, China's gaming industry is now, in fact, the largest in the world. You may know their messaging app called WeChat. Chinese outbound M&A. Chinese corporates are buying international companies at record pace. The hottest phone you've probably never heard of. China's Xiaomi. Yes, it's state. It's claim to Apple's crown. Major deal over in China. You have Chinese tech giant Tencent leading an $8.6 billion acquisition to buy a major stake in Supercell. $14.3 billion in sales bought by a Chinese e-commerce site in one wild day. I was surprised to learn how common it is in this industry to buy followers. And when I say this industry, I mean advertising or marketing. So, Tom, I don't know. Like, have you ever had any direct experiences with buying or even, you know, coming across fake accounts when you're, let's say, doing due diligence on other companies or running your own campaigns? Yeah, actually, when I moved over here five years ago, I ran an agency business here in China, and we were serving multinational clients in a lot of different countries, including China. And when I arrived here, I was kind of shocked over how normal the fake follower business was. And around that time, it was still kind of immature. So basically, you just hyped up your Weibo or whatnot, and just bought in, let's say, tens of thousands of followers. But what shocked me about this was that most Clients were super okay with it, and actually were even asking us because they expected us to do it so they could report better KPIs to their bosses. Yeah, actually, a few people that I spoke to, you know, I, I would ask them, "Do you think this is something that's necessary in the industry if you want to launch a new account or you know promote a product?" And most people said yes. Here's what one of 
My interviewees Adelaide said. If you don't buy followers, someone else will. Like for KLs, if someone else buys followers and, and you don't, they can ask for a higher price because they have 10 to 20k more followers. It's connected with your price per post. Actually, what Adelaide said reminds me of our conversation about key opinion leaders or KOLs. Because I think if you're an influencer, you often have to run different campaigns for clients and they'll want to see, like you said, oh, we want so many new followers to our account after this. And it's very easy or tempting to just take that money and spend it on fake accounts or fake likes, right? To temporarily inflate, let's say, an account during that campaign. When you talk to people, did you learn more about like why don't, you know, clients or whatnot just call the bullshit? I think it's actually tough for companies to detect fake followers, right? Like I think for myself, I'm not so social media savvy actually. But when you talk to people who work in the industry, let's say you do marketing a lot on Weibo or WeChat, you can tell immediately whether or not an account is fake. For example, if you see someone who has tons of followers, but not many likes or very mediocre content, it's very possible mm-hmm. that they've just bought thousands of fake followers or even zombie accounts, which are, you know, totally fake. Like they're not even, they don't even have like posts or even followers of their own. Yeah, my impression is that it's matured quite a lot over the last few years, right? Uh, in the beginning, it was only zombie accounts that people bought and, you know, pushed the numbers up. But now they feel way more sophisticated and it's harder to track what are fake followers or not. Well, I think now there's even some companies that use, let's say, real humans to mm-hmm. basically pay for their labor to click stuff or write fake accounts. <laughs> but it's still incredibly inexpensive. And I had expected it to be harder to find fake follower shops these days because there's been so many rounds of, let's say, WeChat, Cracking Down, or even Xiaohongshu, this Pinterest-like platform that we talked about recently, right? Like, I would think that they've made it harder and harder for programmatic fake accounts Let's say you get like a thousand followers at once. I think that would definitely trigger an alert uh, on the social media platform. But I think even now it's still incredibly easy because I also searched around on Taobao uh, to see if I could find any shops. It's kind of like a service industry, right, for advertisers. So, for example, when I spoke to Adelaide, who has experience running social media marketing campaigns in China, she was saying that, you know, maybe a few years ago, buying comments on Xiaohongshu was not as as common because comments are harder to generate automatically. Like, you can imagine having a ton of bot accounts and then just programming it to follow a specific account to boost it or even having them like stuff, right? Or even having them all view or read articles to push up, like, the the metrics there. But now, like, I was just on Taobao and I was just searching for, I think the keywords I used was, like, growing your followers and then also Xiaohongshu, and I could find services that they would also sell comments. And I think comments are seen as a metric of more genuine engagement. So I think there's just people offering more services now. I mean, it makes sense. A lot of these shop sellers are also adapting whenever security updates or whenever like new rules come out on platforms. 
Yeah, whenever I've reviewed KOLs for marketing campaigns for Move, the first thing we do, obviously, is just to go into their articles or posts and check the comments and try to kind of understand or scope how big this influencer actually is versus what that influencer says. Like, how do you figure that out, though? I mean, like, there's no science behind it, right? Because you just go into the comments and, like, if there is an article with, let's say, 10,000 views and there's five comments, it's pretty apparent that either the article is shit and then you don't want to work with the influencer no matter what, or most probable, they are bought views of that article. And let's say that 10,000 view article got 100 comments. And then maybe you browse around among the comments and try to kind of gauge if they are real or not. I think people view buying fake followers in a very strategic way. I guess a lot of times it is about uh, tricking your clients. But if people are really serious about growing this account, they'll kind of use it as... Kind of like a first impression, right? Like I was reading an article uh, posted by a company that offers fake follower, fake engagement uh, and other, other marketing services. And the article basically said, if you are trying to pick which restaurant to go into, are you going to go to the one where there's a lot of people eating, you know, at the restaurant? Or are you going to go to the empty one where there's just waiters and waitresses hanging around? You're obviously going to go to mm-hmm. the one where it's full of people. So a big part of buying these fake followers, even if they're zombie accounts, is simply to seem more trustworthy or credible to new followers. And then after you kind of buy these fake followers, then you need to obviously create high quality content it's, kind of, it's not really a head start, but it's so that you're not starting at zero, basically, because then it's even harder to attract people no matter how good your content is. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if we just take Dajong Dianping, for example, the Yelp of China. I mean, if you and I were to start a restaurant tomorrow, Eva, it doesn't matter how great food we do. If we have zero reviews and check-ins at our restaurant, no one's going to show up. So it's kind of needing to adapt to this very shallow user behavior where people will only click into your restaurant in the listing if you have, let's say, more than 20 reviews or whatnot. And then the question is, how do we get our first 20 reviews? Do we just buy them from someone or do we just hope for the best and run out of business, you know? Would you be morally opposed, Tom, to buying fake followers or fake reviews? No, and, and that's where this gets weird, right? Because this is the reality today. We need to do that to get started. Otherwise, no one will ever go in there to explore our restaurant. And then sure, if we make really, really crappy food, probably the great reviews we bought in the beginning will be kind of voted down and replaced by the bad reviews from the real people. Because in in a way, this feels almost the same as, let's say, us investing a lot and asking a few Dajon Dianping influencers to go to our restaurant, eat our food and post real reviews. What's the difference, actually? Well, I think in some cases, it's really just about like inflating your account from the beginning, just so that you don't look like a complete loser with zero followers, right? And then you can start posting or, you know, using a really hot topic hashtag on Weibo to start posting. Then when people click into your account, they're not like, oh, this account has like five followers. Who are they? I'm not going to pay attention to them versus like someone with 3000 followers. The difference is like those 3000 followers, maybe empty accounts. 
but they're just there to create this illusion of not being totally new to the game, right, or new to the industry. So it's a bit different than like paying people to write, let's say, totally unbiased reviews of your restaurant, even though you're paying them, right? I think it's a little bit different. Um, maybe I'm too hardened by this, but because I know about this, right? So when I open Dajong Dianping and I see a restaurant, they have literally zero reviews. I start questioning it and I would never click into it or even go there because if they can't even bother to buy fake reviews, then how serious are they? That's so fascinating. I think it reflects really poorly on this world, that this digital world that we live in where we don't totally trust what we see on social media. But even when you know, let's say that something, like for example, they have zero reviews, they're acting in a very authentic way, right? They're just kind of new and they're waiting to be discovered. And they're not really pushing people to write reviews, right? Maybe they didn't do any marketing campaigns offline in their restaurant. But you interpret that in a negative way. You're kind of like, just buy some reviews and show us that you're serious about your business. And again, for like preparing for this podcast, I was searching around on Taobao for shops that actually sell the service and, you know, chatted with a few of the shop sellers just to understand their pricing, right? Mm. And I think Mm -hmm. what's scary to me is just how cheap it is and then also how easy it is. Like, for example, when I spoke to Adelaide, she mentioned a shop seller, but they use like kind of very, not sneaky, but the name of their service was not like grow your fans, you know, so they kind of changed the name. Although like hilariously, the name of the shop seller itself was the sweat of poor people. That was the name of the shop. I kid you not. Oh, so and so in Chinese would be the han shui. So but the, the actual products that you buy, which is like, uh, let's say asking them to do 100 likes, like they didn't, they used a very hidden or not a, they wouldn't say explicitly. But if you do search explicitly on Taobao for Zhangfen or growing your fans, you can actually still find shops. And there were some that offered, let's say, a thousand zombie accounts for just 10 RMB. So that's less than $2, right? And by zombie account, these are these are accounts that have like zero or very few followers and maybe very few posts of their own. So they're very, very empty shell accounts. But just for less than $2, you can get a thousand of those. And then if you want you know, to be followed by accounts that have, say, 100 fans or so of their own, that's you can get 100 for, again, less than $2 or 10 RMB. And on Weibo itself, there is even, so for example, if there's a hashtag that you want to promote and you want people to view it, you can pay 20 RMB to have a million views of that hashtag. What? 20 RMB. <laughs> I, was just, I was just thinking, like, like why... Like, why do we, I mean, it just made me really think about, you know, all the stuff like when I'm looking at hashtags or social media campaigns, let's say for work, and we click on the hashtag on Weibo, and you can see how many posts are under that hashtag, and you can see how many views. And I guess with views, it's so easy, right? They just, they can do it totally automatically. They just take all their bots And they just kind of have them look at, let's say, a post or something under that hashtag account. That's it. So I think it doesn't require a lot of work, which is why they can offer so much. But I was really shocked to see that kind of number. So despite how easy it is to buy followers and fake engagement, fake comments or whatever, 
I think there's obviously a lot of downsides to this business from a marketing perspective. So Rachel, who we heard at the very beginning of this episode, she told me this interesting story about how she had bought some Weibo followers a few years ago just for fun because she wanted to see how it worked. And then one day, someone on WeChat, one of her contacts, randomly messaged her, you know, pointing out that she had lost a lot of followers in a short amount of time. So then she went to Taobao to ask the shop seller, like, you know, what happened with my followers on Weibo, and they didn't respond. So basically that shop had been shut down or investigated and they weren't operating anymore. And I think that when you have such a sudden drop in followers, it can be very obvious and then everyone knows that you've been buying followers and I think that can really chip away at the trust especially if you're new or you don't have like a good product right like I think if you saw or if you found out that someone had bought a lot of fake engagement then you may not really trust that company anymore because I think that on WeChat there was this huge clearing of people who had bought like fake views for their articles And then some accounts were kind of highlighted during the crackdown loss, like 90% of their reads or views. So I think that can be embarrassing, but also potentially really harmful to your brand. I mean, like the reason why we don't buy fake followers uh, in my startup move is literally because we're still in the phase where we're optimizing, figuring out what marketing channels works best for us. And I just can't have my WeChat or our other social media accounts filled with fake followers and fake numbers because literally then I don't know how to run the business because we can't track the conversions in a good way. And I think, at least for us, that's a very critical thing because because otherwise it's very easy to kind of trick yourself into going into the wrong avenues. And the entire business actually is then failing because of that simple fact that you are looking for these very fancy KPIs to show investors or whatnot and then actually forgot about your core. Yeah, I think it kind of deviates from one of the most important parts of social media engagement, which is simply getting feedback on your brand, how your potential or existing consumers or existing users view your product. Um, It doesn't really become a good way to test things out, right, if you're fiddling with the engagement or the reaction itself. I mean, everyone I spoke to when I asked, like, do you think they'll ever successfully kind of weed this thing out? Everyone was like, no. Despite that, there's such demand for pushing yourself up to the top. I think part of it is because social media has become incredibly saturated when it comes to marketing and promotion, right? Or even with KOLs, there's so many. How do you, even good ones or quote unquote, like people who create great content, like how do you get discovered nowadays? Yeah, but also because it's so important. You can make so much money online today if you're popular and you can sell goods, especially in China where most influencers directly sell their products. So they make a lot of money. And if you somehow through fake engagement, fake followers that are fake but real enough can trick the algorithms of Weibo or Taobao or whatever platform, then you're in there for a million-dollar paycheck. So obviously, this is not going to disappear. The same thing as, you know, when a creative agency needs to prove that they did a great campaign and everyone else cheats, then they got to cheat themselves. And maybe they'll cheat a little bit more to show that, you know, the campaign was well-received. And in many cases, you have 
a lot of companies and a lot of people working at large brands that maybe don't want to know about this and don't want to think about this because at the end of the day, it looks great in a PowerPoint that you report back to headquarters. Definitely. And I think your point is summed up nicely by Rachel, who said this. I think it's unavoidable that this kind of market will still exist. So as long as there is demand, this industry won't disappear. Nowadays, with so much competition and things moving at such a fast speed, there are a lot of people who still need this, like Weibo, Xiaohongshu, and even Douyin. So once these apps come out, there are definitely people who can sense the business opportunities. You know, people talk about early days of social media where it was really just about like making new friends, sharing your feelings and your thoughts, and obviously that's still there. But then there's this whole other underbelly of transactions that don't create any value in and of itself, but it creates illusion of value, which then becomes valuable. Yeah, I, I think this happens in any new industry, um, and where either the investors or the advertisers, whoever that foots the final bill, when they are a part of something new that they haven't fully understood yet, and they aren't putting enough restrictions or requirements in place on their companies, you know, the industry and the people around it just need to catch up. And realize that this is just inflating a huge bubble that only has the negative effect of making consumers not trust anything anymore. For me, it's the same thing as let's say you start a Kickstarter campaign and you have zero people have committed, right? And so, so what what do you do? You call yeah. all your freaking friends and family and say, you know what? I'll give you the money. Just go in and buy, right? Is that fake or real or、mm. what is it? I think what I don't really get is like what's really empty is just these campaigns, right? And clients pay you, and the purchase of fake engagement is so that the clients feel like their campaign did something. And I think it's super hard for foreign brands outside of China to really do due diligence on the KOLs or social media marketing companies they use in China. But I, I have a lot more sympathy, I think, for people who are starting something new. But because the social media environment is so saturated, they have to do this. And if they have shitty content or terrible product, then you know it's going to be pretty easy to find that out. But I think, like as a first impression, unfortunately, it's just it's so common. So I feel like we could keep talking about this topic. It's fascinating and it's very deep. There's obviously a lot of things that we didn't touch on, on in today's episode. And actually, I would love to hear from any listeners who have experiences dealing with fake followers or bot accounts or anything related. I think it could be a great follow-up episode or something we could explore in more depth. And as always, thank you for listening to Digitally China. We'll be back in two weeks, and in the meantime, reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn.